Good morning, everyone. Great to be with you. If you're visiting, my name is Scott Matthews. I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to begin by praying for surviving families of the Paradise Fires. Uh, Children, parents, grandparents, loved ones have been on my mind all week, and yours, and perhaps we have some families even here in our services today that are suffering as a result. Uh, I know we had a lot of visitors last week, and we wondered if some of the families from Uh, paradise we're even here because of the numbers who've left and evacuated let's pray heavenly father we uh, our hearts are grieved our eyes look toward you as many families are asking why many families are um, feeling abandoned and uh, a sense of real scarcity a sense of fear wonder if everything that's been lost if anything will be restored and we just ask that your spirit would compel our hearts to open our homes, if given the opportunity, to open our pantries, to open our checkbook, to do whatever it takes to be your hope bringers to families that are suffering. And God, we ask that your spirit of Jesus would uh, provide comfort and would provide hope for these families up in paradise. And we thank you for our brothers and sisters Uh, that are up there. We pray you give them grace to serve their neighbors and to bring Jesus hope to that community up there. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, as you're seated, reach out to your neighbor and say good morning. It's good to see you. I really do like you. Good morning. Oh, Angelina's back there. Good morning. Good morning, back there. You guys are so sweet. Wait, hey, listen, this morning we have, a, we have a special speaker this morning. You know him, perhaps, but maybe you don't. Zach Fox. Zach's been with us for... Oh, Zach's been with us for over a year, right, Zach? That's right. Over a year. The best thing he's got going for him is his wife, Angelina. <laughs> really, we believe that. We believe that. We think that... Uh, that she's his number one uh, priority, and we're just proud of them. She's an incredible asset to the student ministry, especially the ladies, uh, just a real gift. They're both from Southern California, and they experienced their first Tahoe blizzard just very recently, (laughs) had to change chains, uh, change chains in the middle of a dump, Uh, and Zach was struggling to get the chain to... And he hung in there, and as hypothermia set in, he, he hung in there and survived. <laughs> Anyways, we're thrilled to have him. He's got, if you'll see in the student ministry in the handout this morning, he's got some student ministry events coming up this month. I'm just so proud of him, but i got to tell you why I like him so much. It's twofold. Number one, integrity. Integrity. He's teachable. He's willing to honor God in everything. Number two is his hard work ethic. He works very hard, and his, the scope of his ministry is middle school, high school, and young adults. That's a lot. He's doing it, and he's doing it well. And the third thing I like about him, chemistry. I like hanging out with him. He's just lit all the time. <laughs> he's just lit. And uh, I love him. Would you welcome Zach Fox? <laughs> Oh, thank you. I'm lit. I'm lit all the time. I like that. Um, but yeah, that, that Tahoe blizzard was a little traumatic. I'm not going to lie. I'm glad I'm alive. Um, I hope you guys all had a good Thanksgiving this past week. Did anyone have a good Thanksgiving? Oh, these are kind of crazy, I know. Maybe if you're not clapping, 
At least you hope they got some good turkey. Um, but uh, like, like Pastor Scott said, my name is Zach. Um, I get to serve in our student ministry with our middle schoolers, our high schoolers, and our young adults. Um, and I really do love it. And the best thing about it um, is that we have been building the student ministry team where I'm not doing it alone. And we have such an awesome team where they're um, not just student ministry workers. I genuinely think they're like my friends, at least from my standpoint. You can talk to them and see what they say about me. But um, it's fun, and I really, really enjoy it. It's so awesome. If you haven't got a chance to peek in that warehouse, I encourage you sometime today, peek your head in there, because that place is turning into something so awesome. I don't think our students realize like how blessed and lucky we are to have that amazing warehouse to meet in. And for all of you guys that have been donating couches, and we just got a pool table donated, um, thank you in advance to all of you guys who have been just giving us stuff, basically, and making that place awesome. Um, but it really is. It is such an exciting time in our student ministry. Um, it feels like things are growing right now. Kids are inviting their friends. The message of Jesus is, is spreading. I think we've, I didn't count it exactly, but we've had somewhere in the range between probably 10 and 15 student baptisms this past year, which is just awesome. Um, we just had our Halloween party. Get through the picture up there. Um, for middle schoolers and high schoolers. And we had about like 70-ish kids come through that warehouse. Um, and we just had fun. We had our big party and it was awesome. We got these kids info and it was awesome. We just, uh, for, the, for the past six weeks, um, our, our high schoolers have been speaking instead of me, which is great. They've been killing it. And more kids have been coming and it's been so awesome. Here's a picture of a couple of the students um, who got a chance to speak and share a devotion and uh, share what God's put on their heart. Um, we just finished our small groups. We just launched our small groups for our middle schoolers and our high schoolers, which I think is such a need because it kind of takes our students from the hoopla of what goes on maybe on a Sunday or a Thursday and gets them in a group connected with their peers and with a leader where they can just talk and ask questions and pray for each other. Um, and so that's been going really awesome. Um, also, we are, our young adults group, I think all I can really say about our young adults group is we're just a big growing family. This is a picture of us. We went down one day and just made some sandwiches and brought some waters, went to downtown Sacramento and just passed out sandwiches and prayed for people and gave them water. And um, it was a really, it was outside all of our comfort zone for sure, but it was so awesome. Um, and I love, we meet it every Tuesday. Um, we meet, we hang out, we laugh together, we go through God's word together, we pray for each other every single time we meet, which I think is the best part. Um, and it's just so awesome. There's just so much exciting stuff going on in the student ministry, and I just am excited to tell you guys about it because really, this is our church, right? And this is, this is our student ministry, and I think you guys deserve to kind of know the joy of what's happening through this church in the student ministry. Um, and honestly, if you want to get involved, you totally can. I can give a little shout out. We're looking for some female leaders. Um, but really, it is, it's a team. It really is. It's a team, and that's what I've been learning and being humbled by is that God's just using me as a part of this team, that he's building. And I just got to play my part and see what God's doing in the lives of these students here at this church and in the Thomas. So I love it. Um, and kind of in, in light of all that, um, Pastor Scott gave me the kind of the green light to say, hey, you're going to speak on the 25th. Whatever God puts on your heart, go ahead and share. Which sounds pretty cool. It's like, all right, anything. But at the same time, it's kind of like, all right, anything. Like there's like, a, the Bible's pretty big. What should I speak on? Um, and uh, at, at the end of September, I was speaking to our high schoolers on this issue of depression and anxiety, which it seems like is just running so prevalent everywhere, but especially with our, with our teenagers. And so I spoke with, to them on that at the end of September and kind of in my study to get ready to speak to them on that issue, um, I came across this statistic that said 
speaking of my generation, the millennial generation, said that anxiety and depression disorder has increased by 20%. And why that's so fascinating is sociologists say that anytime anything increases just 10%, they say that's an epidemic. 10 plus 10 is double epidemic. <laughs> right? it's, it's, it's crazy. And so, you know, talking about anxiety and, and depression disorder and just all of that, where is God in the midst of all of that, is something that is really close to my heart just because of my own struggles and my own battles to enough to where I could really understand it. But today, I don't want to just talk about that, even though I'm sure some of us are really struggling with that. And I promise you, there is going to be hope in what you're going to hear today. But if we're honest, right, we all have our own share of struggles. We all got our own battles, and they come in many different shapes and forms, and they just look totally different for all of us. Right? Especially, I feel like especially around this time of the year, the holidays, it's supposed to be a time of joy and happiness and family, and for many of us, it is. But if we're honest, none of our families are perfect. None of our lives are perfect. And for a lot of us, this time of year can be a reminder maybe why our life isn't full of joy and happiness, and maybe what are those reasonings why our life doesn't just always be happy, happy, joy, joy. You know, can I get an amen? This life's not easy, right? Amen. <laughs> we all have our struggles. Right? And I'm sure some of us are coming in here today with financial struggles. I'm sure some of us are coming in here with some family struggles. Some of us are coming in here with struggles of parenting, right? raising our kids. There's marriage struggles. I know some of us are in that deep place of that hole we're stuck in where we're fighting depression, we're fighting hopelessness, we're fighting loneliness, we're fighting the fears that are causing anxiety. Some of us are going through temptations and lust and personal insecurities and we look around and there's sickness and there's cancer and we're experiencing loss, loss of loved ones. Right? There are struggles and there are heartache all around us every day. Right? And no one, no one gave you the instruction manual on how to handle these things. Right? No one told you how to raise your kids. Because you find out how you raise one, and then you find out the next kid is like totally different. I've been a brother. I know how it goes. Right? No one told you how to handle these anxiety attacks when they hit you. No one told you how to handle grief when it strikes you. And constantly there are these moments that we find ourselves in where we don't know how to handle things. And so my hope today, my hope today is that your perspective can change on really absolutely everything. And it's going to happen in two ways today. Right? First, first, I hope that you're going to begin to see today that your problems are actually God's opportunities. And I'm going to share with you how the Apostle Paul, we're going to look at the Apostle Paul in Scripture, the moment he learned that his problems were God's opportunities. And I'm going to share a little bit with you my personal, um, some of my personal struggles of when I learned that my problems were God's opportunities. And the second thing we're going to learn today is um, how to view your life with an eternal lens, right? How these two go together, how you can start to view your life with the scope of eternity that Jesus says we're supposed to be looking at life with. And in understanding that, we're going to see that there's opportunities all around us that God is wanting to use. So let me pray for us. Dear God, <clears throat> Father, um, Lord, I'm just so thankful for um, 
the opportunity to be here this morning. Lord, like I said, a lot of us maybe have been going through um, only you know what. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that you can just open our hearts up, open our minds up to what you want to share with us this morning, Lord. Let this be a message coming straight from heaven. Lord, speak through me, speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, remind us of how we're supposed to see this life and just how incredibly much you are chasing after us because you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I want to take you guys through one of my favorite passages. And it really is. I'm not just saying that. I guess I like all passages in the Bible. But this is one of the ones I really like. Um, and it comes out of 2 Corinthians um, chapter 12. It's going to be on the screen. If you want to open it up to it, you can. Um, but what's really cool, this is a letter written by Paul, writing to the church in Corinth. Again, hence 2 Corinthians. Um, and what's fascinating about this letter is Paul is actually trying to get the people at this church, to get them to understand that their thinking is so upside down to the kingdom of God. Right? And one of the issues they were facing was the fact that they were actually starting to reject Paul as their leader. Right? For them, Paul, I mean, he was kind of looked at as from a society standpoint, as like a lower-class citizen. He was often very poor. He earned a very meager living. He was even often always constantly under suffering and persecution. He was even homeless um, a lot. And self-admittedly, my favorite one that Paul says, which kind of makes me feel a little more confident about myself, um, Paul self-admittedly says he wasn't a very impressive public speaker. He self-admittedly says he wasn't a very like powerful preacher, powerful in his wisdom, but he wasn't like the showboaty guy. And so at the time, the people were being introduced to these wealthy, like elegant speakers, and they started rejecting Paul as their leader. And so Paul has to start pleading with them to start shifting their minds. So he says, by only elevating the rich and the impressive, he says, you're actually dishonoring Jesus. And so what he starts to introduce them to is the idea of the, of the paradox of the cross. Jesus flipped upside down our whole understanding of what success and glory was. Right? Jesus' Jesus's glory as a king came through his suffering and death on a cross. Everything Jesus taught was so upside down to everything we know. As a king, as the king of the universe, he came and said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. He taught the first will be last and the last will be first. Huh? What does that even mean? He said, the meek, he said blessed are the meek. He said, blessed are the poor in the spirit. Um, blessed are those who mourn. Right? Everything about the kingdom of God is upside down to our understanding of this life. Okay, you guys tracking? That's, that's important to understand before I go further in this. So in, in explaining that, Paul starts to then explain when he learned that his problems were God's opportunities. And so in chapter 12, here's what he says. Is he just finishes explaining this surreal experience when he was like, this is, doesn't get talked about enough, I think. I think this is amazing. Paul says he was taken into heaven, like literally taken to heaven and spoken to by God. Right, you think that would make you humble, like, oh my gosh, this is God, like, I'm so little. But no, he says he was actually needed to be given a thorn in his flesh to keep him humble. And so here's what he says in verse 7. He says, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations... For this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there is given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. And that, that phrase there, messenger of Satan, is really important to realize. God was not the one giving him this thorn. It was Satan. God was allowing it. 
So here's what he said. And so um, what's really cool about this thorn in the flesh, no one actually knows exactly what this is. Scholars speculate it could have been any kind of physical like pain. He had bad eyesight. It could have been like, some kind of mental torment, like anxiety, like depression. could have been some kind of just severe guilt he was battling, which I tend to think for Paul, he used to, if you didn't know, Paul used to kill Christians. And now he's trying to save people. That would make me lose a little bit of sleep at night. That's probably some tough stuff that he was dealing with. So here's what he says in verse 8. He says, concerning this, I implored to the Lord three times that it might leave me. Three times he asked that this thorn in his flesh God would take from him. That's pretty interesting. That meant three times he kept asking God, God, please take this from me. God, why aren't you taking this from me? God, don't you want me to serve you? Don't you want me to be a soldier for you? I can't do this with this thorn. I can't do this with this struggle. God, how can you use me to heal other people, but you won't even heal me? I'm sure he probably even got frustrated after the third time, like, God, why aren't you taking this from me? All right, how many of us have prayed a prayer very similar to that? But he doesn't stop there. Here's what he says in verse 9. And he said to me, speaking of God, God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Read this last part with me. For power is perfected in weakness. So he goes on to say, Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distress, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For read this with me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Right after the third time, it was like Paul finally got it. He was like, oh, wait a minute. This struggle and this battle I'm going through, God actually wants me to realize I need to be fully dependent on him. It was like he wants me to realize that I need to be fully dependent on the grace of God. That this struggle I'm struggling with is keeping me closer to God. And see, Paul, he wasn't doing anything wrong. God was not punishing him. But God was using his struggle as an opportunity to grow his faith and to use Paul's life to glorify God to others. So here's what we need to understand. All problems, all problems we experience are opportunities God wants to use for his good. Let me say that again. All problems we experience are opportunities God wants to use for his good. See, this is upside down kingdom thinking. And I can't tell you how true this has been just for me in my own life. Right? I know some of you guys have probably heard me share my story. I feel like I share it every time I come up here, which I think we should all do. We all have a story to tell. Um, but you know, I've heard me say I've had my share of struggles and battles um, over the years. And I literally feel like I'm a walking testament to, to God's grace. But when I was a teenager, uh, you know, I, I fully kind of just walked away um, from God. And I walked away from that relationship I had with God. And in doing so, I just began to be filled with so much emptiness. And these personal insecurities I had just kind of took over. And I felt myself just in this deep hole. And I remember I was, I got, it was, things were so spiraled out of control at one point. I was like 17. My parents tried taking me to counseling and therapy just to try and get some kind of help. And they ended, I never said this word, but they told me I was depressed. Right? Not just like teenage angst, like... You know, my parents let me play Fortnite every night. Gosh, I'm so depressed. Like, like 
Like to this day, when I still go to Kaiser and I get that medical sheet, it still says depression on there, which I hate seeing that now. But it is such a testament that, you know, a piece of paper can't define me anymore. It's who God says I am who defines me. But, but like so many teenagers tragically do, when I was going through that, I just turned to all the temptations that were around me, and it took me deeper into a hole. But when I finally was bold enough, long story short, when I was finally bold enough to put my faith in Jesus, to give Jesus everything I had, to give him my heart, to experience what it's like to actually be connected to the love of God. God took me as this confused, lost teenager. He washed me. He cleaned me. He, he made me new. And here's the thing. It was in that transformation. It was in that transformation I was going through that I felt God speak to my heart. And he was telling me, Zach, I didn't create you to do this life on your own. My power is perfected in weakness. So now I fast forward a little bit, age 21. I'm excited. I'm like, wow, this love of God is amazing. Everyone has to know about this. And so I'm already eager at the idea of going into ministry. I'm interning at this church with our high school group. And I started just really struggling with anxiety. And I was like, what is this? I felt it a little bit when I was a teenager, but not like this before. And like I said, I was, already, I was already wanting to follow God. I was already following God at this point. But I started struggling with this really bad. Like so much so that I just was so much in my own head, I think I, I had such a hard time even talking to anyone, let alone a room full of people. And it just started getting so bad for me. I remember before my feet even touched the ground in the morning, I had to start my day out with prayer and be like, God, just get me through today. Just get me through today. And he did. And I got through the day, but I still didn't go away. And I'd have to pray the next day, God, just get me through today. And I had to do that for, for a while. And I remember after doing that for a while, I started getting a little frustrated. Like, God, why, you could take this from me if you wanted to. Why, why do you keep making me have to pray for this over and over and over and over again? And then I read this verse in 2 Corinthians. My power is perfected in weakness. And it was once again as if God was speaking to my heart. And he went, Zach, I didn't create you to do life on your own. I didn't create you to do ministry on your own. Sometimes God, has, sometimes God has to totally break us first to finally realize Jesus was all we really needed from the beginning. And if God was willing to sacrifice his own son Jesus to be beaten, to be mocked, to be eventually killed on the cross so that he can have a relationship with you, what makes you think he wouldn't do everything he can in this life to still continue to have you? See, there are struggles and there are opportunities all around you every day that God is trying to use to draw you closer to himself. And this is just my story. All of us have our own battles. This is just my story of how God has used my problems as his opportunities, how God used depression to lead me to himself and how he used his, my anxiety to keep me to himself. And you want to kind of know the upside-down beauty to all of this? The upside-down kingdom thinking beauty to all of this is that when I started to turn to God in my struggles and bring him into my everyday battles, my relationship with God was therefore strengthened. And in that process, the struggle, if not taken away, if still there, does decrease. And there is a progress, whether he takes it or whether he doesn't take it. How beautiful is that, right? So your problems are God's opportunities. 
And we're going to be thinking about that personally here in a second, but to kind of get ready to end up here, here's, here's why I think this is all so important. Here's why all of this even matters for us. God has to start taking our minds and flipping it upside down so we can start seeing things from a kingdom perspective. Here's what it says in Philippians chapter 3. You can look up at the screen. It says this, it says, For many walk, of whom I often told you, and now tell you, even weeping. Again, this is Paul who's writing. That day they are, uh, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame. Who Read this with me. Set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, this is a perspective switch to understand that you and I are eternal beings. We're eternal It also says in 1 John, it says, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. So you have to know that we are eternal. Jesus, everything Jesus taught was with eternity in mind for us. Jesus says these will go away. Speaking of those who... Don't take this free gift of salvation that Jesus offers. He says, these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. And just to put things into perspective for us, to start really kind of understanding this, um, some of you guys may have seen this before, this illustration. I didn't just make this up. Um, but if you've never seen it before, this, is, it's, this will stick with you forever. If you've seen it before, I don't know if it's gimmicky. Just roll with me. It, it fits perfectly for what I'm trying to say. But what you guys don't know is there's a hole right here in the stage, and this rope goes on and on forever. I know, it's crazy. So this rope just goes on and on, and this, this is representative of a timeline of us, of our life that God created for us, this eternal life that God created us for. But while we're on this earth, because of the sin that impacted this earth, that disrupted God's plan, sin has cut us off here. This is representative of our life here on earth. And to be, I mean, it's a little tape so you could see it. Can you guys all see that? If I was being realistic, it's probably more like a little tiny microscopic dot in the span of this eternity that God created us for. See, everything in this little bit of life is what brings us into this. But sin has has flipped this world upside down. Everything about us was made for eternity. See, we weren't created to live in a world like this. We weren't created to live in a world where it's run by selfishness, where there's pain, where there's hurt, where there's death. Sin has flipped everything upside down. And you know, if you've been here for the past, you know, six weeks, we've been talking a lot about money which maybe you don't want to hear about anymore, I don't know. But have you ever actually like stopped and thought about why this world even needs money? Why does this world need money to go around? It's because of the depravity of our hearts. See, in a world that God created for us, there'd be no need for money. People would have made houses for each other just because they know someone needed a house. People would have made 
food for each other just because they knew someone was hungry. Status and respect wouldn't come from the people who had the most money and the most power. It would have come from the people who served the greatest and who made the biggest difference in each other's lives. Those are the people we would have been elevating up. See, God didn't create a world to be run by money. He created a world to be run by love. Everything Jesus taught was with eternity in mind for you. Jesus even taught, he says, don't work for food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on, him, for, for on him, the Father, God has set his seal. In other words, don't get so caught up in just living for this life. Understand, this life is just preparing you for this. All of our confidence in this is in the fact that we have evidence that Jesus resurrected. Are you living for eternity or are you living for this life? Just kind of close me. Have us think about this one more way. Um, Mark, I'm going to call you up here for a second. Real quick, let's just say I, let's say I have this power. Just roll with me here. And let's say I, I, you have to choose option A or you got to choose option B. Okay, here's option A. Option A, I'm going to make today for you your greatest day ever. There's going to be all the chocolate chip cookies you could have ever wanted. There's going to be, there's going to be, you're going to be able to hang out with me all day. Just kidding. That's probably not what you want. But whatever, you, whatever is the greatest day for you, you can imagine, I'm going to make today, right now, your best day ever. After today, though, it's going to be terrible. For all the rest of the days of your life, there's going to be pain. There's going to be crying. There's going to be hurt. It's going to be the worst possible days you could ever imagine. But today, it's going to be great. Option B, I'm gonna, today is going to be a terrible day. There's going to be crying. There's going to be pain. There's going to be death. There's going to be just all kinds of terrible things you can imagine happening right now today. But tomorrow, and for all the rest of the days, they're going to be the most glorious, amazing, wonderful days you could possibly ever imagine. Do you choose option A or option B? Option B. Option B. I think you chose the right choice. Good job. Right? Duh. All of us would choose option B, right? Because here's what we know. No matter what, tomorrow is coming. No matter what, tomorrow is coming. And see, this is how silly it is for us who put everything we have into just worrying about just today. Oh, just, you know, I'm going to make sure I save up for this. Just for today, not knowing that no matter what, tomorrow is coming. And you better believe that God loves you so incredibly much that he's going to do whatever it takes in this short amount of time where there is all kinds of temptations and distractions and everything around us to keep us distracted from being connected to our creator, which we were created to be in relationship with. You better believe he's going to do everything he can in this short time to keep you at all costs because he loves you that much. This reckless love we just sang about. You better believe God will do whatever it takes to keep you. Are you living for this life or are you living for eternity? And here, here's kind of what I want to close with with us thinking about. Because my hope is if you can start to open your eyes up to understand that you were created for eternity, you can start to flip your thinking upside down, see things from a kingdom perspective and understand that there are opportunities all around you every day to grow your faith and to let God shine through you. 
Just to give you some examples, maybe you have a story similar to mine. Are your battles dropping you to your knees every single day, depending on the grace of God to get you through it? Are there struggles in your marriage? Have you brought God into it? Have you started there? And after that, there, there's so many different ways that can look, whether that's professional counseling, whether that's uh, Christian counseling, whether that's going to something like Weekend to Remember they have. You can go through here. My wife and Angelina and I went to it. It's something that's just great. I mean, I think for every married couple, it's, it's informative. It's great. But have you started by bringing God into it? <laughs> Talk to Adam Candy. Some of you guys, maybe life's going great. Maybe you're not feeling like there's this heavy burden on your life. Do you realize there are opportunities all around you? Do you have kids or do you have grandkids? I mean, just that alone, do you realize that there are going to be opportunities for them to make decisions that are outside of your control? That alone should have you praying for them every single day. There are opportunities all around you. Do you have conflict with your family, at work, with friends? Do you realize God's going, oh man. This is such an awesome opportunity. I am wanting to see how you represent Jesus to them because I am going to do so much through your life to them. There are opportunities all around you. And you wonder what helps me? There are sometimes people that, you know, you don't always vibe with the best. I think I'm allowed to say that. You don't have to, you don't have to be best friends with everyone, but you want to know what helps? Are you looking at people with the kind of love knowing that person has an eternity? See, that can change everything how you perceive them. Are you loving people knowing they have an eternity? Are you hungry to want to bring Jesus to people? But I love what we're doing here at this church. We're not just looking around trying to fill seats on a Sunday morning. We're trying to fill heaven. When you start to view this life in the scope of eternity, you can start to understand there are opportunities all around you God is wanting to use. So I'm going to close in prayer right now. And if you have your... Uh, you uh, note card, fill in sheet. You can see there's a place on there um, to write. And I want you guys to do this sometime before you leave today. Because I know how it gets when you leave. Fantasy scores take over. Lunch takes over. Things get forgotten and you move on and then you're here next Sunday. It happens sometimes. What I wanted you to do before you leave, before you leave, whether that's in time in prayer right now, whether it's during communion, whether you just do it out before you leave, but I want us all to think about this in our own life. But I've shared with you personally how it's looked in my own life. We all got our different problems. We all got different opportunities. I want us to identify a problem in your life that you can start seeing as an opportunity for God. See, because when you write it down, it becomes real. It's not just in your head. I want you to put it in right. Even if it's personal, nobody's got to see it. But I want you to identify a problem in your life that can be used as an opportunity for God. Because we all have them. Every single one of us has an opportunity that God's wanting to open our eyes up to. Let me pray for us. Dear God, Father, I'm just so thankful that you have this reckless love for us. Where even when the enemy thinks he's winning, you're winning. Even when the enemy thinks he's giving us a thorn, it's a victory for you, God. Lord, you can't lose in our lives. When we put our faith in you, Jesus, we win. That's all we do is we win. And Lord, we're so thankful that tomorrow is coming. Tomorrow is coming and tomorrow is going to come quick. Lord, make us bold. Lord, let us focus on this race that we're running. 
Lord, let us see everyone who is around us, our coworkers, our friends, our family, to know that they have an eternity. Lord, I thank you for the evidence you've given us in the resurrection of Jesus where all of this confidence comes from. With our, with our eyes closed and our, and our heads bowed up, if there's anyone in here this morning who has yet to put their confidence in Jesus, if there's anyone in here this morning who goes, you know what, that eternity, I want that. I don't want to be done with this life. I don't want to be separated from heaven. I don't want to be separated from God. I don't want to be separated from my family. I want that relationship with Jesus. Scripture says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you are saved. I want to give you an opportunity if there's anyone in this room who wants to do that. If you raise your hand just saying, you know what, I want this. Jesus, I want this. Right now, if there's anyone, go ahead and raise your hand. Lord, I'm so thankful for this life you've given us. Lord, let's leave here with the confidence of knowing that we have hope that tomorrow is coming. We have the hope that you can work all problems out for your good. Let us never forget that. For all things work together for the glory of those who love God. Lord, we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.